Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. I'm a feminist, but I'd rather have dinner with John Hamm than sex with Millicent Fawcett. (laughs) Fabulous. I'm a feminist, but though I've managed to wean myself off putting kisses at the end of all of my emails and text messages, still, every time I do remember not to end with kisses, I think, ooh, check you out, you brutal, badass, brassy business bitch. You are a cold, cold professional. I'm a feminist, but when I went to the statue unveiling of Millicent Fawcett, famous suffragist, I wanted to boo Theresa May when she came out to give a speech, but I didn't because I'm obviously more polite than I am feminist. (laughs) I thought people would, but no one did. And I looked around. I think we were all looking around like, are you going to start the booing? Are you going to start the booing? Well, we were all invited guests, and it seemed really rude. I'd been invited by Sadiq Khan, and I thought, I don't want to embarrass him. But I was looking to the left or right because I thought if I could sort of silently boo... Not silently, that would be... Well, it's what I was doing. Just like this. <laughs> but, yeah, yes. <laughs> and for the listeners at home, Jessica foster Q is lip-syncing booing. <laughs> but I thought, if other people don't... Like it, <laughs> she's now lip-syncing some sweary words. Resign, it was resign. Mm. I'm a feminist, but I saw a woman get served with a huge, fresh, glistening hot pizza, and I thought, yes, mate. (laughs) And I saw her reach for the chilli oil, and I thought, yes, mate. (laughs) And then I saw her just pour an entire lake (gasps) of the oil and pouring and pouring more and more of it right into the middle of the pizza, the middle, (laughs) like an orange molten top of an erupting volcano. And I thought, how could she? It's for the crusts. (laughs) Did you pizza shame somebody? Mm. Mm. I'm a feminist, but I stole a seat reserved for better feminists than me at the Millicent Forsen statue unveiling. (laughs) There were seats, and I was like, it was going to be ages before they unveiled anything. So I just sat down there, and then somebody leaned over and said, um, are you for the such-and-such such feminist society? Because that's what these seats are reserved for. And I went, yep. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but I watched the whole of Meghan and Harry's wedding, which I hadn't expected to, and I spent the entire thing having a full range of involuntary gushing emotions. <laughs> eyes, eyes welling, heart bursting, apart from the occasional moments where I could see James Corden... And frankly, I was grateful for the respite. Oh, I did. 
from King's Place in London, the Spontaneous Shop presents The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, guest co-host Jessica Foster and very special guest Catherine Bohart, Sophie Duca and Ellen Jones talking about work-life balance. This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. We're talking about work-life balance and... There are things making that tricky at the moment because I've got uncomfortable pants in this silly frock. <laughs> so that's a specific example of an issue yeah. that creates a difficult work-life balance because in her life she needs to sit down and wear pants, but for work they're in the way. So there's a great example of. I think it should be life-work balance because life should come first before work. Right, yes. Unless your life is your work and then it gets very complicated. So at the moment, so normally I don't have a job. And then brilliantly, Channel 4 have announced so I can say I have a Channel 4 pilot. <laughs> so, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Very exciting. It's very exciting. I hope we get a series. Um, is anyone good do, writing on it? or do you, you have been writing on it, Jessica Foster. Oh, cool. yeah, cool, cool, now, cool. Now, what cool. that means is <laughs> there's a throbbing, thriving writer's room for the show and it's very exciting. But it means we've got a proper job now, Jess, doesn't it? It means, yeah. like, we have to be at an office at 10 in the morning. <laughs> so not stressful. <laughs> I should have said at seven. In the I've morning. lost the room. I've lost the room for proper job, people. I'm like, fuck you and fuck you. And we're there till half past four some days. <laughs> Writing jokes there, buddies. All right, I know these writer's room hours don't seem long if you're a nurse. But they feel it. They're not, no, they're not, they're not. But then we have to work at night as well, so then we have to still be bouncy at this time of night, and still, I mean, I don't know if you've noticed, gang, but I'm still at work. Now, bouncy's pushing it. I'm... <laughs> I sometimes get by on buoyant. Buoyant, buoyant, yeah. Barely buoyant. So for this reason, I need a lot of stamina at the moment, because it's also, it's intense, so you're thinking, oh God, don't fuck this up, you know, all of those things. So I'm doing two things. One is I'm doing loads of yoga, like serious loads. And last week, I got into a place with yoga where I'd done it so many days in a row. It was like doing drugs. I got so floaty with it, and I was doing like hot yoga and stuff, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm the stretchiest I've ever been. I'm so bendy, I'm just like spaghetti. Oh, it was amazing. And then I had two days off, and I went back to being so stiff that Brittle. I was... I was like an ironing board. I was like an iron... Two Such days a later... a brutal word, isn't I went it? Brittle. From, I went from spaghetti to ironing board, from flexible to brittle in two days. Because... Even in the two days off, can you just, just find a couple of moments for a child's pose? <laughs> I did, yes, I did. I did, I did. But I had to did. do it properly, didn't it? Properly. Yeah. And the other thing I'm doing, gang, is mindful eating. Because mm. what I find is when I get stressed... Eating brains. <laughs> no, Jess... That is not what I meant. Like a zombie. No, Jess. No, Jess. But it's not a diet. No. <laughs> it's not. It's the opposite of a diet. Now, the reason I'm doing it is because when I get stressed, my mindful eating goes out the window, and I just... If there's a packet of hobnobs on the table, I can eat 12, like, easily. Just be like... Right, bragging. I just guess... <laughs> I get stressed and I just, I think the part of my brain that wants calm, love, peace, attention, devotion, mm. you know, any of those things. Devotion's too strong. That sounds like I'm, I've got a God complex. Take that one out. <laughs> so, 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 looking edit, for devotion from 12 edit, hobnobs is edit a one beautiful thing. <laughs> worship. I love the hobnobs to worship me. 
So, <laughs> so it's a losing battle, mate. And it makes me feel out of control. It's not about oh my yeah. body. It's not about body issues. I mean, it is a bit because I'm a woman and I live in a patriarchy. But most of it's about I don't want to feel like a runaway train at a time when I want to be focused. And if I'm eating without realizing or without being able to stop, I get into this runaway train mode and it affects my mental health. So I've decided to go into a program of mm-hmm. yoga and mindful eating. So I've Sweet. started. This is my challenge. I've signed up to something called Beyond Chocolate. And a lovely lady does... It's like little podcasts. You love it. She talks you through your stages like... First stage is great. The first stage... I'm only on the first one, to be honest. Uh, the first stage is eat anything you want. <laughs> sounds fucking amazing. It's great. It's Jesus. Great. No, but already... Already... Great. You know, you have the good foods and the bad foods, the healthy foods and the naughty foods. She said, just get rid of all of that. And all you have to do is check in and tune in and go, what do I really want now? But you've got to just take time to go, am I hungry? Mm. Or is this something else? And if I do want food, what do I really, really want? And I have to go, oh... Mm, no, not that, not that, not that. And it's like being a very fussy eater as a child. And already I'm eating half as much food and enjoying it twice as much. Amazing. Then you have to sit there and really but enjoy you it. Know, so I have a therapist that I work on this stuff with because uh, I'm, I'm on the spectrum of binge eating disorder. You're welcome. <laughs> um, uh, and I think actually what you're describing is how you end up approaching a relationship with eating if you ever come at it from a psychiatric mental mm-hmm. health point of view oh, and I it's see, all about I reconnecting see. it's not about restriction it's not no. about it's take, about taking all the moral value out of yes. and re- all the reward sins but it's so hard if your work life balance isn't right that's what I'm saying that's why I'm having to do it because my work life balance isn't right so I'm having to sit there like this and go what do I really want to eat but really listen to my body because my brain says, this is the story my brain tells. You want all of the chocolate all of the time. That's lying. My body oh, doesn't want that. it might not be. No, your body doesn't. <laughs> your brain does, but your body doesn't. And so here's the odd news. <laughs> what my body wants when I really listen is mostly vegetables, which is annoying. I'm tuning in, trying to hear... <laughs> no, I'm tuning in. I'm trying to hear chocolate Sunday. It's not what you hear. It's not what you hear when you really assess what you really, really want. <laughs> It's true. I don't know if you're really listening. (laughs) (laughs) It's what my body wants. It wants. It It just wants wants an aubergine. No, it does want sugar sometimes. It does want sugar, but I've since I've been doing this, I forget to snack now. I forget. No, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, it's really working for me. Well, that's a really important thing. I have have an app, of course I do, that reminds me to snack so that when I get to meals, I'm not so ravenous that I go... (laughs) (laughs) The sort of mindful eating I'm doing, I only eat when I'm hungry and then I'm really tuned into what I actually really, really want. But then I sit and eat the food without my phone, which is... I know. It's hard. But you have to sort of really enjoy it. And I find that I stop a lot more. I'm like, I don't really want this second piece of toast. No, no. And then sometimes I want it half an hour later. 
but don't just shovel it in anymore. It's really great. I'm loving it. I'm is really it? loving it. I'm it's happy helping. for you. And I think it's brilliant. The only thing I would say is, I don't think when you get things that, like a website or an app or something like that, then it's not necessarily a quick fix. And you should be very kind to yourself if at times of peak stress, etc., that goes up the shitter. Oh, that's the whole point. Of, <laughs> <laughs> because because it Beyond takes Chocolate years. Says that. No, Beyond Chocolate says, yeah. just be curious as to your process. So if you do eat a pack of hobnobs, just go, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I wonder how I'm feeling when I'm doing that. It's true. So I had one of the funniest conversations of my life was a conversation with my therapist where she'd had me do this thing where every time I felt inclined to eat when I knew I wasn't hungry, Mm -hmm. I had to stop and think about what I was feeling in the moment. And my first ones were all the classics, anxiety, stress, fresh out of an argument, etc. And then it went on and I was like, oh, massive adrenaline. Okay. And then as this sort of week went on, I (laughs) realised it was every emotion (laughs) I shit you not right down to very mild relief (laughs) I was walking home from a day's little odd jobs here and there and I realised that my evening gig was cancelled I was up for doing the gig but it turns out it was cancelled and I had an evening free to myself and my first thought was could get a burrito on your way home for dinner (laughs) and I stopped in the street it was on Regent Street and went no not even mild relief. <laughs> I'm not writing the emotions down anymore. I'm just writing all. <laughs> and it's not, I think I'll get an aubergine on the way home before dinner. <laughs> no, I know, I know. Congratulations. You... I'm just bitter with no, twisted jealousy. No, no, no. Because I genuinely do think when you sit there and you ask your body what it wants, not your mind, when you say to your body, what do you need? There's a little tiny voice in your body, deep down, that goes, Feed me vegetables, please! You've been feeding me chocolate too long and I can't stand up anymore. It wants them. It wants them deep down. It's deep, Jess. It's deep. This voice is very far away. Virtually imperceptibly deep. Please welcome to the stage, Jessica Vosticu! You all right? If a tree falls in a wood, but no one hears, did it fall? If my... Answers at the end. (laughs) If my work doesn't feel like work because I love it, is it still work? Yes! The answer is yes to both. How arrogant are people who think that just because they're not in the forest, the tree didn't fall over? (laughs) (laughs) Me. Didn't have to be there seeing everything live. (laughs) Similarly, even if you love your work so much that you've let it seep into every pore and crevice of your life, life, it's also probably quite a great plan to make room in your week to listen to your mum, wash your armpits and learn Klingon. I won't fuck about when it comes to work-life balance. Balance isn't quite the right word for me. Balance makes it sound like something graceful and impressive and fair, like a dance, like an art, like a kind mediation. I've got work-life vertigo. Um, I'm a woman on the edge. But at least rarely, totally, utterly over it. Uh, (laughs) I'm almost always dizzy, spinning from one deadline to the next, constantly calling compromises between my ambition, my sanity and my morals. That's not a poker table you want to be around the... side of right but I don't know I think I am choosing this life and I think I love it I think even the word work 
sounds heavier than light. Life. Uh, <laughs> life is one letter away from light. It's like an airy fairy diet word. How on earth can you expect light life to last more than a second in an arm wrestle with work, work, work's heavy? But what I've done, and I'm so grateful, is to be so, so lucky to have found two careers to have at once, neither of which feel like work, by which I'm not saying that they're easy. Comedy, acting and writing, that's one career. That doesn't feel like work because it's too fun. And parenting, which doesn't feel like work because it's so unpaid. Often thankless sometimes makes you feel so full of love that you're going to need to be sick. And in both instances, I chose that, and I'm lucky and I'm grateful. But I have to carve out time for me and my son. And there is always the danger of work infiltrating that time because of mobile phones. I think that they are the most brilliant and most awful thing that's happening to us all at once. So when you see a baby's face as any human being, even if you're in no way inclined to ever want one... In which case, lucky you. <laughs> I went mad. When you see a baby's face as a human being, you release an involuntary jet of dopamine. It's a human response because babies are such useless, vulnerable, tiny fools. <laughs> so we've evolved to have a physical, physiological reaction, a dopamine hit when you see a baby's face. It's why even if you hate babies when you think about it, when you see one, a bit of you sort of goes... Oh, um, it's so that you'd help one if you found one alone. Now, for the first time in the history of humanity, we have mobile phones, which when you look at the screen and it lights up with that white light, you get a bigger dopamine hit than when you're looking, in some people's instances, at their own baby. <laughs> Is that not terrifying? And in my instance, with my baby, I think we all know what it means. The baby's face has got to up his game. <laughs> I want to play games on it. I want to get information out of it. I want to communicate with others via it. <laughs> Stupid tiny face. <laughs> Not really. It means I'm having to make myself turn my phone off when I'm hanging around with him and as many other times as possible. And that's my work-life balance. Thank you, bye. Hello, Guilty Feminists. Thank you so much to everybody who's come out to meet me on the book tour in this last week. It has meant so much to meet so many of you, hear your stories and sign your books. If you couldn't get a ticket, I'm so sorry, but hopefully we will be coming to a theatre near you and I will get to meet you another time. I am on Mock the Week this week. It's my first time doing Mock the Week and I could really do with your support. So please tune in Friday, 10 p.m., BBC Two, if you are near a British television. And if you enjoyed it, at me, at Deborah FW and copy in Mock the Week. I really, really need all my Guilty Feminist massive this week. I am so excited to announce we have Guilty Feminist necklaces designed by Steve Alley, who many of you will know from Grown Up Land. He's a Syrian refugee. He learnt to be a silversmith in the Calais jungle. And you can get a necklace that says Guilty Feminist in silver or one that says woman in Arabic, which is absolutely stunning. If you go to road-from-damascus.co.uk... 
half the profits go to Steve's education and the other half goes to his mother's amazing project, which helps female refugees get a craft. Please go and check those out right now, or you can go to On My Radar at the Guardian website and see all my cultural highlights this week and click through from there. Felicity Ward, one of your very favorite Guilty Feminists, is on tour and you can get a ticket. Now, Felicity is starting her tour on October the 3rd in Derby and she goes all over the country does a run at Soho Theatre in London and ends up at Southend-on-Sea on November 30th. Check out dates closest to you at felicityward.com. Her show was nominated for the Edinburgh Comedy Award. She is absolutely phenomenal. Do not miss it. I have a new independent film. It's called Say My Name. I wrote it and I have a cameo in it. And I'm delighted to tell you that this week at the London Independent Film Awards, it won Best Feature Film, Best Actress for Lisa Brenner, and best actor for Nick Blood. I would absolutely love you to see it. And if you hashtag say my name movie and say you would like to see it and where you are, it's much more likely to come to a cinema near you. So please let us know if you'd like to see it. Many people are asking what's happened to next week's news because it was announced by Channel 4. It's a satirical late night topical comedy show, a bit like John Oliver with more direct action. So in the pilot, we addressed the nursing crisis and what we could do to try to turn around the fact that there are currently 40,000 nursing jobs advertised with nobody to go up for them because there's a nursing crisis in this country. If you would like to see this show at Channel 4 and let them know there's been a pilot made, but we haven't seen it yet and we want a series. At Channel 4, hashtag next week's news. Thank you so much for all your wonderful support as always. And now back to the podcast. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Our guests today are two incredible comedians and an extraordinary teen activist. Please welcome to the stage Catherine Bohart, Sophie Duca, and Ellen Jones. everybody. I am Sophie Duca. I am a comedian and I got very wet on the way here. <laughs> that's who I am. That's, that's who you are. And the detail about you. Was it raining on the way here? Uh, yes, that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine Bohart, tell us about yourself. Hello, I'm a comedian and I am dry as a bone. Um, <laughs> in her wit as well as her clothing. Sure, let's say that. Ellen Jones, I read about you in The Observer under all of the woke teen activists who are changing the world. I was told by the Observer that you were personally going to change the world along with some other teenagers. Is that accurate? I'm going to try. I can't profess to be funny, but I can change the world, so... I think that's probably a slightly better power, mate. Of all the superpowers. That I can fulfil. Yeah, Um, great. We'll be the guilty four, and you can be the feminist. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm okay with that. 
Ellen, tell us a little bit about the activism that you do. So I do a lot of LGBTQ plus activism, also mental health activism and disability activism. And a lot of that is just running around, often with a video camera or a microphone, talking to people, interviewing them, making sure that people's voices are heard and that rights are kept and not taken away. So we're talking about work-life balance. How do you balance your life and your work? Ellen, you're, are you still at school? I am just in my first year of university, but I was doing most of the activism work for which I am known during my A-levels. There's a lot of this going wow. around. We've had so many people on the show who were doing A-levels. Like, during my A-levels, to... I completed the game Snake. <laughs> you finished Snake? I finished Snake. You finished it, Snake? It was just a solid screen of Nokia 3310 Snake. And that didn't get a just... round of applause? No. She finished Snake. Yeah. I, I, it's impressive. While I was in secondary school, I joined a cult. And uh, that cult would not allow me to go to university, but I didn't know that until after I'd fully joined and been dunked in the water. That's what I did. I don't feel it was as productive as what you're doing. How do you balance A-levels with activism? You don't. No, you can. My activism was very much born out of the fact that when you are the only out lesbian in an all-girls school, you basically become the spokesperson for the gays. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I effectively was the person to whom everyone would come to. And there was even an assumption by kind of my school, who were actually really good at things, and, you know, I should give them credit for that, that I would just run everything. So I did. I just took on the responsibility of organising assemblies, of getting in guests, of getting in speakers, raising money for charities. And also, at the same time, I was running a YouTube channel, running a series. All what was your YouTube channel? Um, if you just search my name, Ellen Jones, it will come up. But I ran a series called Queries, which is basically I invite people who aren't me, and we answer all of the ridiculous questions I have ever been asked. What's they one have of the most ridiculous asked. questions you were asked on it, please? <laughs> And those questions about scissoring. That's basically really? my life. <laughs> this started at 14, so I've just come up with... You know, at 40, scissoring? Like, yeah, people what? ask really stupid questions when you say you date a lady, to be fair. They really do. How do you get asked this, Catherine? All the time. How does it work? How do you, the questioning uh, or the sex? What they're, yeah, both. Uh, but they're basically just saying, tell me exactly what happened so I can imagine it later. And you're like, I don't want to. Um, <laughs> that's not appropriate, Dad's friend. Um, <laughs> not on. But also, I love how you just act like that's normal. Like, I was the only gay in my old girl's school. So was I, but I didn't come out. I was like, I'm not telling these bitches anything. Sometimes sometimes I feel very, very old already. And I realise that it's because I'm 19. I've been out for five years already. And that's an incredibly bizarre experience. Mm. And most of my friends and the people that I'm engaging with are much, much older than me. So I have no idea what I'm actually doing here. I'm mostly just like, I'm a student most of the time and run around doing 20,000 other things as well. A friend of mine recently asked another friend, when did you come out? And she said, I would consider retiring that question if I were you because she's bisexual. And she said, I never came out. I just went one day, oh, I fancy her and said it to my friends immediately and then started dating a girl at some point. And she said, I've never been in the closet. Do you think increasingly people don't come out? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm bi and I have long hair, which means that you have to come out repeatedly. Um, <laughs> I mean, so do I. Like, oh, people like are like, that doesn't go with your face. That's not what the other bridesmaids are doing. I don't know what you mean. What's going on? What, what's going on? And you're just like, um, hey, sorry. Yeah, I still, bi- bye. Also, I don't know. I've, um, are you 
bi or gay, it doesn't... Very gay. Very gay, okay. <laughs> Extreme end of yeah. gay. Cool, yeah. cool, cool, Basically, cool, cool. about as gay as you can get. Wow, really that far? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Further. They got you good, okay. Um, fair. But I think uh, if you're um, bi, you also have to contend a lot of the time with people not thinking that that's a thing. Mm. Um, so you both have to come out and then also persuade people that it's a real thing, and you're yeah. like, oh, I don't have time for this. Um, so I just yeah. often say I'm you, gay. Yeah, you have, and also you have to come out constantly. When people say, oh, when did you come out? It's like, well, kind of yesterday or any time yeah, I meet yeah. a new person or enter a new situation, it's like, can I be myself in this scenario? Am I going to have to invent a persona in which I am straightened into men? That's literally what I've been doing for the last five years in order to navigate spaces. And especially, like, I have always had short hair, but I, people still assume that I'm straight because I wear dresses and sometimes, you know, don't, I'm, I'm not always in double denim and... With really? Dot, yeah, and sometimes not in double denim with Doc Martens with a large banner that says lesbian across the front of it. Yeah, and casual people, wear. I know it. Yeah. I think, um, <laughs> I just think those people... Stri- sorry, I was going to say, the people that think you're straight are just really hopeful. They, they, just really, <laughs> they really want you to be straight. Nice. Yeah, that's like, a nice I thought. Like I should clarify... That, it's not actually a hair length thing. That doesn't. I feel like we've stressed that too much. You can do whatever with your hair. Yeah. And although, still my, the, although since moving to uni- <laughs> since moving to university, my brother. Every time I go back home, my brother's three years younger than me, and he goes, "Every time you come back, you come back with a more lesbian haircut." I was like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Firstly, the back of your head all got shaved. Now it is purple. What is next?" Wow. <laughs> Just carbon pussy and highlights. <laughs> I got a more lesbian haircut. <laughs> that would be funny. Just to answer that question, I mean, you'd be stuck with it for the rest of the week, though. Well, I went to a school in which the uniform rules were slightly totalitarian to the point of, you know, there's the red dress, white hood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can up to no, no, no. Worse, brown. Oh, <laughs> were you like training you to be aunts? Yeah, brown uniform, brown and yellow. How do, how, do, how do you deal with work-life balance, Sophie? Oh, yeah, work-life balance. I wasn't, wasn't, wasn't going to say, and how do you deal with scissoring? Job. Yeah. <laughs> it sounded a lot like I was going to yeah. go, how do you deal how with you bisexuality? Well, then my job as a lesbian hairdresser. <laughs> um, quite, quite precariously. I feel like it's quite... Uh, it, it, does anyone balance it well? And also, like, it's work-life balance, but a lot of my li- like, life things are quite a lot of work. A lot of things in my life, like family... Like, have you met my mother? She's a lot no. of work. She's a... <laughs> feels like a task sometimes like the things in your life that you know you should do like be a good present daughter are just like really really hard and sometimes you have to plan for them like you would a job I've met Sophie's mum that's actually true (laughs) (laughs) she comes to my shows in Edinburgh and she talks the whole time and what, the whole time really? Yeah. And this real? Yeah. Oh. The only time she doesn't talk, by the way, when she talks, she's much funnier than I am, so it's obnoxious. And then um, the only time she doesn't talk or ask very invasive questions, um, as though it's a Q&A, is when she uh, closes her eyes for a rest. <gasps> oh, she sounds amazing. She's great. <laughs> she does sound like a dream audience member. She's, she's wonderful. Either she's resting or she's learning. Um, is that how you, is that, is that that how you just never? Never, never listening. <laughs> I think life has got busier. Well, certainly my life has, but I think in general life has got busier. I think that's We're a general so thing. We're so much more distracted than we used to be. And I do think that it's the phone. It sucks up all the spare minutes where we would just have rested. Like, speaking of activism, you know, you see someone on Twitter saying something sexist, and you think, right, I've got to say something back to that. 
Do you think that? I don't. Yeah. No, I, d- I don't always, but sometimes I do. Sometimes I think I've got to defend somebody or ally for somebody. And before, if I was just sitting out the front of a shop waiting for a friend, I would have been like, it's a pigeon. <laughs> and now I'm like, social justice warrior. Yeah. But that no, makes no, I... I feel unwell when you have days where you're constantly yeah. responding to things. I feel and sick. there's definitely, definitely an element to which the more you do it, the more there'll be to do. If people around you know that you're a very quick replier, oh, yeah. then you've got to keep that. The older you get, the more people there are. I yeah. have real visions of you now being trying to... Jess Vostigui tries to stay off the grid so they don't yeah. get the idea that you might answer them. Well, I either it reply is, so I'm going, I'm immediately going, or yeah. never. You reply immediately. Or, ne- or never. Well, oh, I do, really? Yeah, I, often I'll just oh, I'll no. forget or go down and then I have to be prompted by somebody. But here's the thing, Sophie. You're looking at me with eyes of judgment, and I understand. But here's the thing. I had this revelation recently. I'm going to die with a full inbox. You have a full inbox? It's, no, no, that's not oh, the God. case, because I've looked at... A lot of those are spammer. I've just looked at them. I have, just haven't clicked on them. No. That, the revelation I came I up with... I can't have any red in the corner of my No, because I, I can't <laughs> click on all of them. I'm not going to click on... I'm not going to waste my is. life clicking on a my taxi payment. Or an email saying oh, your Amnesty International payment went oh, through. God, Spam can... drain. Oh, like, what? I'm not going to click on all of those. Read so or delete there. your emails. <laughs> okay, oh. but the point is not... <laughs> the point is, I'm booking a special therapy session just to deal with the trauma of having seen how many unread emails <laughs> you've got. All right. They're not really unread. Some of them are just deliberately not looked at. Like... This is... The GDPR has come in, Deborah. It's, it's going to be the best thing that's ever happened 4, to you. 4,073 emails that look like they're not... 4,000. No, listen, they're not real. They're not real. They're like... I don't bother clicking on spam drain. It's, it's only telling me it's drained all my spam. Whenever, do you know what happens in, all, in real life? Whenever I see it, and that happens quite a lot, where I look at a friend's phone and there'll be many, many emails and they're just chill about that. Well, I, I look at that and think... Oh, God, he's so a, cool. This is if how I, I know you're as old. So I am cool. anyway. The point is, what I realised is, there's always going to be unresponded to emails. There's always going to be a things-to-do mm-hmm. list. So if you can't handle the idea of a full inbox, Sophie, because I realise I, you are, your breathing sh- sh- got shallow. Um, <laughs> if you can't handle that, you will die with a full to-do list, basically, is what I'm saying. And I just had this revelation. I went... <laughs> no, OK, if no you'd... one else is happy to die that way. But I acknowledge... That, like, we could be hit by a bus. You might die with things to do. I'm, okay, I'm really giving you a I think that's the healthiest attitude. I just no, think it's so cool. But what I said this to my very good friend, and I just said, I just had this revelation. Like, it doesn't matter if I don't get back. They'll nudge me, or I'll do it, or I won't, but it doesn't matter. And she said, it goes on beyond that. And she said, because her partner died, and she said, I still get emails for him saying, could he come and do this? And she said, I'll write back and go, I really need to tell you I'm so sorry but he's passed away and they write back and they go oh okay I'm so sorry to hear that anyway is there anyone else there that can do it <laughs> and she goes what you just could that have been a separate email though like sent half an hour later I'm so sorry for your loss half an hour later just inquiring whether you might have anyone she was like they just put it in the same email and she said the thing is it goes on after you've died people will want from you and they'll go, why hasn't they responded? Why hasn't Jessica Foster Q responded to this email? She's dead. Okay, well, I'll have to go elsewhere. <laughs> it's an example, Jess. That won't stop me replying. <laughs> it's just an example. And Once, very fast. I think this is a really good, healthy thing. No one else seems to be responding well. Catherine, do you have a full inbox? I have OCD. 
Okay, I'm sorry, this is stressing Should I have out. opened with that? I have OCD. <laughs> so I love a to-do list because uh, it means I can be very clear on what I'm achieving in the day and also because I get to make a list, big fan. And uh, I do not have a full inbox because I'm... Not. Do you genuinely have OCD, or do you mean using oh, that colloquially? No, uh, those people are the worst. I have obsessive compulsive disorder, the diagnosed kind. Right, not, just not check the, it. I mean, I just love a tiny house kind, because I hate those people. Um, <laughs> if you're one of them, uh, don't be. And um, <laughs> not a fan. I'm sorry, I must have triggered you so much by saying this. Just uh, in every way possible. But the thing <laughs> is... Um, uh, don't say it, don't But to be honest, uh, the desk had already done that. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I'm fine, it's fine. Is this difficult for you that this isn't straight? I'll, I'll straighten, I'll tidy, oh God. Because the thing is, I, I love have... that this happens when you say you have a Because if you I start with to... a desk, it'll be just a matter of seconds until make... we're onto no, my because... hair. No, because... <laughs> okay, I've just... I have a clinical need to please people and you have OCD so I am now empathetically going I must straighten everything that and I I'm okay with that I'm kind of the other end of the spectrum in terms of when you say that you have to figure out how to work and how not to be working all the time because I love working all the time and I find it very hard to relax but in that way where I don't understand why I have to because I like working and I could be working I have to make myself relax and try to enjoy it. And what do not... you do to do that? Do you have any strategies? Yep. Um, my girlfriend tells me to. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I, do, I have a similar thing, but I do like very active relaxing. <laughs> okay, so we're relaxing. My so we relaxing have, to have an itinerary like, for relaxing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> an hour and a half relaxing in the gym. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do same. that with yoga. That, that's my place where I get to mm. put my phone on silent because you have to. Yeah. You're forced and it's, I love it. As soon as I've done it, I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. I'm not looking at my phone. Yeah. Right, you could do that other times See, of the day. all my activism works online predominantly, so I literally cannot get away from it. And if you, for example, wanted to take a break or wanted to not engage with the discussion, there are people on my back for not engaging with certain discussions enough. I get messages being like, well, why do you need to be about this issue? Genuinely. I'm so I have up. to be consciously aware of every negative thing that's going on in the world and also know how to fix it. So if you have that skill, you... get in touch. I do understand, though, because there isn't like, a thing about performative activism where people basically jump on the bandwagon of a topic in order to seem like they're educated and informed and like they know what they're doing and because it's a good thing to do whilst also not putting in things that are actually going to help mm. they just like want to use a trendy hashtag sure but you'd still need to self-care if you haven't had time or energy or impetus to write about something you're not obliged to you'd think but genuinely the world in which i inhabit is one in which i'm expected to be constantly on demand oh well and i don't want to wild and i don't, and, I don't and, and like I, I guess i mean i have always grown up with social media so for me it's a very normal thought process to be part of but for other people for whom that isn't what they did such a diplomatic way of saying but for older <laughs> people yeah like like i was the four of you <laughs> yeah yeah I'm, like listen it's completely i'm gen normal. x i tweet when i fucking want <laughs> <laughs> i think yeah. i think it's really interesting that you talk about and you talked about like feminist arguments or stuff on twitter as work because i like genuinely feel sometimes i'm like got better at not jumping in on arguments but sometimes i'm like i feel it is my duty and responsibility as a feminist to call this person out. I am a social justice warrior princess and my calling in life is to like sort this stuff out. Like I feel like I don't want to explain things to people all the time. I don't want to be that guy, but you feel like that's your role. Like you've got to have those conversations because 
you know better. I think it's the choice, though. It's to do with the choice of whether you choose to actively engage and actively educate or whether it's an expectation placed upon you. It's exactly the same thing as I had when I was 14. I was trying to go to my lessons at school. Instead, I was getting surrounded by a group of people and going, so how do you have sex with girls? It's exactly the same thing where you're kind of being imposed upon to educate. Do you find, Sophie, that as a woman of colour, there's an extra... Oh, yeah. I have to explain to people. People come to me often and ask, like, is this racist? And I'm like, no, not that. But the constantly asking me if things are racist is kind of. Um, yeah, I feel you like... You said it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Catherine. I personally, I ask Sophie's mother, um, is this racist? Uh, I go around the problem and she's always in my show, so it's convenient. I'm really worried she'll listen. She's a great lady. She really is. overrun. Who's the charity? Who's the charity of the week? Hi, my name is Christine. I am a volunteer trustee of Verity, which is the UK's only uh, charity for women with polycystic ovary syndrome in England and Wales. Um, We were set up in 1997 to share the truth about the condition and improve the lives of women with PCOS. The entire charity is run daily by under 10 volunteers, including the trustees, in our spare time, so work-life balance sucks. Um, We all have PCOS. We use evenings, weekends, holiday time from work to keep everything going. So this includes running annual patient conferences, producing information packs for medical professionals and patients alike, and using political and media connections and events like this one to raise awareness and spread accurate information. Um, For those not familiar with the condition, in an oversimplified way, it's an endocrine or hormone imbalance that raises the levels of more common male hormones in women. So symptoms can include irregular periods, lack of ovulation, difficulty becoming pregnant, or some of the symptoms you may have seen in the media, women with uh, male pattern hair growth or hair loss. To the point we actually had a woman who contacted us once. She was growing male pattern facial hair. She then tried to burn her face with battery acid, feeling that it was more socially acceptable to have scars on her face than it was to be a woman with male pattern hair growth. So the condition affects roughly one in ten women worldwide and about one in five women in the UK. And if left undiagnosed and unmanaged, can lead to conditions such as type 2 diabetes, endometrial cancer and heart disease. Last year as a charity, we ran on approximately £7,000, which is half of the year before that. And if this trend continues, we probably won't be here in the next one to two years. We are in desperate need of both funds and volunteers to stay afloat. If anyone out there is good at grant applications, then we definitely need you. You can find out more about us, donate and volunteer at www.verity-pcos.org.uk. Thank you. collecting on the way out the door Um, if you're listening at home uh, we don't charge for this podcast so if you could pop something in I know it would be very 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 much appreciated Sophie Duca do you have anything to plug I do a monthly night called Wacky Racists it's not a night for quirky racists (laughs) it's just a pun but it's a monthly night in London and it will also be at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival if you're listening to this later in time in August 2018 Catherine Bohart do you have anything to plug I have a show in Edinburgh. Um, it is called Immaculate, and um, I'm in. I'm on every day at 4:15 at the Fringe. Should you wish to come, if you're going to be in Edinburgh, I would love to see you there. Uh, Sophie's mom hopefully will be there, unless she listens to the <laughs> sleeping <podcast>. away. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, that's great, fantastic. And Ellen, anything to plug? You can check me out on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Ellen Jones. And also I have a podcast which is launching this month. And if you enjoy this podcast, I imagine you'd like that. It's called um, Never Read the Comments. And it's about people using the internet to affect positive social change. Jess, do you have anything to plug? Yes, I have a podcast all about eating called Hoovering. 
great. Absolutely, listen, it's fantastic. And I would like to plug Grown Up Land, BBC Radio 4 podcast that we make, and also Global Pillage, globalpillage.net. You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, guest co-host Jessica Mosquito, and our very special guests, Catherine Bohart, Sophie Juca, and Ellen Jones. The recording engineer was Chris Sharp. Music was by Mark Hodge. The producer was Tom Selinsky for The Spontaneity Shop. Thanks to Zoe, Jake, and Sally, and everyone at Queen's Place, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. This is one, this is, okay, can, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try this one for the audience. It's a bit, it's a bit dangerous. It'll probably be edited out, but this is the Guilty Feminist lock-in. Okay, I'm a feminist, but when I was at the Millicent Fawcett unveiling statue, when we got there, Millicent Fawcett was totally veiled, just like a big black cloth over her. And I texted a picture to Steve, who's my Syrian flatmate, and said, look where I am. Millicent Fawcett unveiling, fancy. And he texted back, she reminds me of my grandmother. (laughs) 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 And I did laugh quite a lot.